0: Welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture.
1: Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community.
0: On A quarter of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around god's word to advance christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community my name is ron young headmaster of providence academy and founder of the palatine institute and i'm noah tetzner
1: a curious student of classical education and
0: podcast producer through our conversations we look forward to sharing fellowship knowledge and practical wisdom for his glory here on a quarter Three Strands podcast.
1: Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to a Court of Three Strands. Today's episode marks the second in our current three-part series on tools of dominion. Mr. Young, why don't you kick us off with today's topic?
0: Excellent. Yeah, we did a while back a three-part episode on um, what I'd say... Issues dealing with authority. You know, if in Jesus is king, uh, a culture reflecting that would be ordered around his authority. So we talked about three various ways of displaying this, um, such as worship and rest on the Lord's day, uh, praying, especially uh, in regards to confession and gratitude, uh, and last, pay, paying tribute to our king by the means of a tithe. So now we're doing another three-part series. The first one, um, these tools of dominion, the first one was... Uh, growing wealth. If we're going to have dominion and we want to build a godly culture, it would be a good thing, a necessary thing to have wealth. Um, So today we're going to talk about the next thing, and that is growing children. And uh, (laughs) next week's episode will be on growing the church. So Growing. Yeah. yeah. Well, so growing children, what do you mean by that? Well, first and foremost, uh, what I mean is God's word tells us as married couples to be fruitful and multiply. All right. Yeah. All right. So that's my whole episode. Everyone go out and make babies. No, I <laughs> No. So, so this is from Genesis one twenty eight. Um, Jesus. Uh, I mean, God says to Adam and Eve that they should, uh, or to human beings, they should, Uh, be fruitful and multiply. And even after the fall, right? So um, you, you have the, the flood story and then you have this uh, Noah is kind of like the new Adam and his family. And, and so God repeats that, um, that blessing to, uh, to go and uh, be fruitful and multiply. So this is a creational command. It's it hasn't ended. At no place in the Bible that all of a sudden God say, okay, that's enough. You guys should have fewer children or you guys should not have kids anymore yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Actually, there's nothing like that in the Bible. Be fruitful and multiply. It's how God made us and made it. In, and so part of this is if we're going to have a Christian culture, we need to have actually people right. to, to have in that culture. And one of part of God's big plan is for uh, Christians to have uh, children.
1: Yeah. You know, that's interesting. And, and I won't get into it because simply because, well, I don't know, but I don't have the statistics in front of me. I could be wrong, but statistically there is a decline in the
0: birth rate in the United States. Yes, there is. In fact, we are below replacement levels. So if um, we our culture right now is committing cultural suicide. We don't, we, we our, 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 population is getting older and older, yeah. more and more wealthy, and we're having less and less children. And, um, and so what happens is eventually um, the younger generations uh, ha- don't have the means in which to support the older generations. Yeah. And it's just the, the death of a culture. Wow. Yeah. It's happening. It's been happening in Europe for quite a while. And now it's happening in America. And the only, uh, the only, there's only two hopes, right? One is immigration Mm -hmm. and immigrants tend to have lots of children. The second is, um, that we obey the Bible. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Right Now people are going to listen to me. I thought we'd lose people when we started talking about tithing. Now I'm getting really serious. Now people are going to go, what in the world? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's true. It's, um, it's part of how God made us is to have kids. So, um, we have a vocation of getting married and having kids.
1: Well, so, you, you know, we've talked about, you know, um, how our, our Christian culture has been, you know, dwindling in the past decades and centuries. Yes. Is this a part of that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We have um, mimicked or modeled secular culture. Uh, secular culture says that uh, children are a pain in the rear mm. and they cost a lot of money. And since what we want is to be comfortable and have lots of money uh, we intentionally limit the size of our family. Wow. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, I, I came and I, uh, was part of a church, uh, pastoring a church for a while. And like almost the entire congregation had, uh, zero, one or two children. And then when my wife and I started having, you know, we had the third and everyone was okay with the third. Then we had a fourth and then people started making jokes about, um, you know how that works, right? Or, you know, maybe you guys should go on some birth control or something like that. I mean, really very wow, weird. And then of course, once we had a fifth, they thought we were just absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, is that when, when my wife and I w- were talking about getting married and having kids, I mean, I, re- I really thought, well, you know, I'm, I might be a pretty busy person as a pastor or, or in what I'm doing. And maybe I'll, uh, we should think about just having a couple kids and that way I could spend more time or. Invest myself into more, and uh, and then we had two kids, and we we're like going, yeah, we we're gonna keep going. Yeah, and uh, and the reality is, is that it, it's very interesting. Our 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 story is kind of weird. Uh, my wife, because of a of a tumor, um, uh, was on some medication, and, and the doctor thought we weren't going to be able to have kids. And then six months into our marriage, she was pregnant, and uh, so we named our firstborn Nathan, which means gift. Oh, yeah, Cause we thought this is a miracle that the, our doctor thought this was a, a miraculous thing. You know, how can, you know, so God gave us this miracle. So his, his name was gift. And then, you know, a little while later, then we, we had another, you know, and it was like, wow. So we had Jacob. And then a few years later, we had another, and a few years later we had another yeah, and then even more time passed and we had another. And now if we had a kid, it would, truly be a miracle. (laughs) So we never stopped trying to have kids. We just were open to whatever God had. And, and, um, you know, it, it is, um, and, and this is, I'm not going to sit here and preach against, you know, things like birth control. That's not my, you go talk to your pat. I'm not your pastor. So go talk to your pastor about that kind of stuff. What I, what I do want to push against is the idea, um, for the sake of our own comfort and ease, um, that we want to, um, that we think that we know better than God and, um, and limit our children or the completely destructive, uh, satanic idea that, um, you know, having more kids is a bad thing, you know, somehow, somehow that, that is, a um, we need to limit the number of people on our planet or something as if God is, doesn't exist, right. Mm-hmm. That God's not the one deciding that, yes. not, not us. Um, in fact, what we see is, is that when um, populations stop giving birth, uh, this cultural suicide, it does take place. And that's the end of civilization. Right. So no. so you'll be supplanted by someone else. Right. right. So right. Right now, they' I remember at one point uh, they were talking about Malmo, Sweden. And, okay. uh, and uh, back in the 90s, I think it was or the uh, yeah, 1990s, I think it was that all of a sudden Mohammed was the the most popular name in the, uh, boy's name in Malmo. Wow. Sweden. And, uh, th- this, this came to be this looking at, you know, yeah. they're opening the immigration. Uh-huh. So you have these Muslim communities coming in yeah. and, uh, the Swedes were having, you know, like 1.6 children uh-huh. and all the Muslim immigrants were having like eight kids. <laughs> well, uh, I- m- many of them on the state's dime. Now that, that was, that was kind of the funny thing is, yeah. is that you know, my wife and I, we, we had five kids and the only people we knew who had five or more kids were all homeschool families. It was, yeah. it was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, we're doing our part.
1: Well, so, so do you have any sense just based on, you know, you've been a pastor, you've been working with young people for many years, you've observed this cultural decline. Do you have any sense as to why this is? Like, yeah. Why aren't people having children?
0: Yeah. One is, is that um, our, our culture is entirely, the American culture is entirely focused on oneself. And one's own sense of um uh you know um what your desire is is what really matters. So whether it's your personal peace or whether it's your affluence, whether it's your comfort, whether it's your your pleasure, right? That's that's the big thing. Yeah. And um it's very Epicurean, right? Right. So Epicurus thought that evil evil was the disturbance of one's tranquility, right? He didn't believe in a real God. He didn't think the gods even existed. He thought that, um, that the, the reality of, of, um, it, you know, you just have this life mm. and when you die, you just go back to atoms, right? right. So there's no fear of death. You just live your life and you seek to have simple pleasure and, um, and not have your tranquility disturbed. Well, if that's really your thought, Um, And you're living in an American culture. Um, The idea of pursuing personal fulfillment, affluence, you know, wealth, pleasure, all that kind of stuff. Well, guess what kids do? They're a total disruption of your tranquility. Right. Your life will be turned upside down when you have children.
1: Well, and what is it the average kid by the time they graduate high school the expense is like what, a quarter of a million dollars.
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's what they say. <laughs> I don't know. I get, I mean, I, I never made a lot of money. I was right. a pastor of a small church and a you know, private school right. uh, headmaster. And, and, you know, yes, there were times where I went and got a paper route to make ends meet, but you yeah. know, it, it was, um, but we raised five kids in yeah. a, in a great environment and a wonderful home and they're doing great. And um, it, it just takes effort. Right. So, so, so that's the first is our American society is Epicurean and uh, children will be, just look at any TikTok video or YouTube, or I don't know, you know, just social media. And, right. that, and that's the, the whole idea The the parties, when the kids go off to school and now they're, yeah. you know, they're <laughs> now I can go to sipping wine and doing whatever. Right. I don't know, but, but this isn't how God made us. God made us yeah, to, uh, to, to, uh, marry, right. And to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. And that in, in the reality, if I look at the three purposes of marriage, I think we talked about this in early episode is to his help in the task of dominion, uh, and, uh, to procreate mm-hmm. and companionship, which I talked about is that idea of it's sharing in the fruits of one's dominion, right. Yes. Sharing in the fruits of one's dominion. And my wife and I are at the age now as our kids are uh, we have one left at home. The other four are, are kind of out. One is in, still in college, so she's kind of in between. Yeah. Although I think she's been independent since fourteen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the uh, but but um, we're we're at a point in our life where my wife and I are just a, a lot of what we're doing is enjoying the fruit of our dominion. Yeah. We're seeing our kids. Uh, I have I have one son who's married. I have another son who's. Um, uh, going to be engaged soon and, yeah. you know, thinking of the December wedding and how just cool it is. Cause we like her better than him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just in case you're listening to this, Jake, And uh, no, she's wonderful. And, oh. and just seeing how our kids are making these choices in their life and how they're, it's just wonderful. But cause this is how God made us, right? Uh, yeah. let, let me, point, let me point out. Then, then when I look back, you look at, at, you know, I'm 55. I look back at friends and others who are pursuing the pleasures. Right. And right. And that the good life, that's not about really following God's word and, and how many of them are, you know, divorced or, yeah. you know, have, you know, their their whole family's been a mess up and uh, you start to see some of the loneliness, a little bit of the bitterness that there's just, yeah. it's just not right. There's right. it's just hard. And yeah. Um, but this is the way God made us. Right. Yeah, so, but it's not just, to you know, have a bunch of kids and boom, I'm done. Yeah. Right. So the second part, right. So the first is go be fruitful, multiply. But then you you see all these commands over and over again that God gives in the Word, and that is that we're to raise them in a particular way. Yeah. So in in Deuteronomy you have like um you know fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, teach them to your children talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, and many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Yeah. That's from Deuteronomy eleven eighteen 18 through 21. He says something similar earlier in Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4 through 9, where he, he speaks of that, um, the Lord your our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols, etc. And the and the idea here is, is that it's not just that we're having kids, it's that we're having kids um, and we're training them we're teaching them um, the word of God and that our lives and our culture revolve around that. In the new Testament, you have this great one in Ephesians In Ephesians chapter six, it says fathers specifically us do not exasperate your children. (laughs) That's, that's hard. I want to ignore that one. I'm going to move on. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, uh, Paul, Paul knew what was going on and, and fathers, we do have a, a way of exasperating our kids. And that's not good. So he says, don't do that. But instead, this is what we're to do. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, let me let me break that down Yeah, even further. So it it says, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. A better way of putting it is bring them up in the paideia and the admonition of the Lord. Admonition meaning kind of uh, g- give all the warnings, give, <laughs> give all the right? Um, Yeah. You're, you're, you're putting it in such a way to your children so that they understand the necessity of what's being taught you so that you don't suffer from going away from that. Mm. The first part says paideia. And I want to use that because it's a Greek word and it has more specific meaning, right? Right. Every paideia has a polis in mind. I, I love to say that because People go, huh? What does that mean? So, yeah. so we typically translate paideia as instruction or as um, teaching or something like that. Yeah. But but it, it paideia in the for the Greek and Roman meant uh, enculturation. You're going to teach your children the ways mm-hmm. of the Lord, right? The polis in mind. So for for instance, the the paideia of a Spartan, yeah, right. The idea of a Spartan is that they're going to take a boy at the age of 7, pull them away from their family, they're going to live in a this communal way with nothing but a basically a shirt on, a linen tunic, and they're going to um uh, and no shoes. <laughs> yeah. In the summer heat and in the winter cold, they're going to wear the same thing. Wow. They're going to sleep on the ground. They're going to learn how to steal <laughs> and yeah. be rewarded for stealing good and being sneaky, and they're going to learn to fight and train, right? So Lycurgus, the uh, lawgiver of, of um, Sparta, uh, had their their walls torn down and they said, our, our people will be the walls. Wow. And so they began training boys at the age of seven to become the walls of Sparta, the defenders mm. of Sparta. I mean, these I, I would not want to mess with a Spartan. No, they were they were something else. But that that was so there's a particular end in mind, a particular culture in which they're raising them to fit into. Yeah. And, and that's paideia for the Athenians. It was different, right. Yeah. For other, other city States, it was, it was always different yeah. for the Roman. it was to become a Roman. Yeah. Right. And, um and so in America here, uh, there's a paideia, right. And in fact, if you go to uh you know, the public schools website or to, you know, the, you'll, you'll learn about that, that the paideia of American schools is to make people fit into the economic cog of America. Yeah. In other words, the the end goal for an American paideia is that you have a job and pay taxes. Right. So the way they do that is they make you, they work on you to be smart enough to be able to hold a job, but not too smart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They want you to um, be able to know how to jump through all the hoops of stupid rules. Right. I, I, I still, I love seeing things on the news where you hear about like, you know, the kid who, you know, at, at their school breakfast, I don't know why they're not having breakfast with their, their parents at home, but Uh, They're having breakfast at home and he, he chewed his toast and it looked like a gun. And so he pointed at someone, he got (laughs) expelled because, right. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You, you have other, other stupid rules. And, and the idea is, is that if you can make it through, you know, K through 12 in America Mm. and just obey the stupid rules and not question them and, and be able to pass some tests that you've been taught how to do, um, then you can get a job and pay taxes. And not upset the apple cart. Wow. Right. So, so that's not a great paideia. But what the Bible commands is that we're supposed to bring them up in the paideia of the Lord. Mm. So, the Lord Jesus is king and he has a kingdom, and that kingdom has been established on earth. And we're supposed to raise our children to be citizens of that kingdom. Right. Right. So, so we're to, we're to know his word, we're to follow his word, we're supposed to worship him right those yeah. those three things i talked about like yeah. even just and, and there's many things it's just but but for an example you know sabbath keeping and resting right uh worshiping on the lord's day uh you know tithing being tribute to our king um being obedient yeah. to his word um but you have to know it Yeah. right how do you how can you be obedient to his word unless you you know it so it is the the parents responsibility in particular the fathers to train their children in that way, right? Mm. That they, that they know that there is a King that they obey. Yeah. And that, and that we have this, uh, way of living. Yeah. So, but here's the thing is the way of living is, is, is one that li- real life flourishes because God's laws are not disconnected from reality. Right. They're all our founding fathers in America understood this and not every single founding father was a Christian. Mm but they talked about it in this terms they talk about it as nature and nature's god in yeah. other words in other words the way that god uh, god's commands god's moral laws are congruent with reality how things really are and if we if we're grounded in those things and god's laws about how things really are in terms of morality in terms of you know how we should treat one another how to how to be reconciled with one another how to you know all these types of things yeah. guess what? This is what we've been made for. That kind of culture is what we have been designed by our creator yeah. on how to live. And we flourish in that.
1: Yeah. But it's just interesting, right? Like you, you just reflect on the, the way it used to be as it were, say even 200 years ago, um, you, like children were a good thing, right? Like, yes. like you wanted a lot of children, yes. and that actually like made your life, and in say agrarian society or whatever, uh, more manageable. Like yep. it was something that you celebrated, and then also in the teaching of children, uh, you know, I don't have a concrete example, but I know that say like curriculum assigned in in a school setting, you know, even like language arts, you would have been, you know, uh, declining the sentences structure of like Bible verses.
0: Right. It was all rooted in. Yeah. You know Christianity. Yeah, A is for Adam, right? <laughs> <Who's>, <laughs> exactly. And uh, You yeah. know, and something about the fall. I think, and 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 uh, yeah, it was it was all based on. Yeah. In fact, what what's interesting is is if you look at the Puritans, and this is going to be a future. I know this will be a future episode at one time, and because I'm going to talk about, um, I think how we're a little too concerned about America and less concerned about the kingdom of God. Yeah. Right. And, and one of the things I want to point out is, is that American culture or I'm sorry, Christian culture flourished in North America it, 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 to its greatest extent before America became a, or before the United States became a nation. And that was under the Puritans, right? Yeah. You know, for a couple hundred years, just this flourishing Christian civilization. Um, and uh, even before America came became a nation and um. And these Puritans, they had this interesting thing is they wanted, they were the most literate people on the planet. And this is why. They felt they wanted all their kids to be able to read the Bible for themselves. Yeah. And so they started schools and taught their children how to read. But, now here's the big but. They also taught them logic. Because if you can't think well, you have no business reading God's word. So they taught them how to read and they taught them logic and the number of the textbook that they used, the Puritans used. You remember, do you know who Isaac Watts is? Uh, Enlighten me familiar with the name. Yeah. So he's the famous hymn writer. So he's written all these hymns and things, but he was the author of the logic textbook that was used in America for like 200 years. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. But that just that thinking that through, all right, we want our whole culture, our whole civilization based upon the word of God, Mm-hmm. So the paideia is going to be, we want our children to be able to read the word of God, but they need to understand the word of God. So they have to be able to think well, Yeah. right? So they teach them logic so that when they're reading scripture, they can think logically through it and not come up with these weird heresies and weird ideas and, you know, just the rabbit holes and, yeah you know, what <laughs> yeah, right. they can think. Right. And as yeah. the population, as the Christian population can think and read mm-hmm. their civilization flourished. Yeah. Right. And, and so just with those those couple things. So, yeah, our, our job is not just have kids, but yes, have kids, yeah. have grow kids. Right. You don't have some adopt some. Yeah. Right. Do foster care. Do whatever. Grab kids. Yeah. And then train them. In the uh, paideia, the and admonition of the Lord, yeah, and and then and live it out within your home, yeah. So just think, just think about it. if if we uh, intentionally followed uh, what Scripture is teaching about human relations, right? How to communicate, how to see, how to seek forgiveness when you have someone, yeah. and how to reconcile with one another. Um, there there would be way way less divorce, right? In our yeah. in our world. Um, we'd have children who would have a lot greater respect for their parents and parents who know how to love properly their children yeah um you know look at the things like fellowship and hospitality your your home becomes the center of of good food and of of being together and bringing friends in and and just a uh, it just becomes a great place to grow and to flourish yeah. and um you give them responsibilities and chores and and, and they learn to work and and to enjoy it and yeah, uh, see these things as gifts and so one lots, of the- and lots of laughter for crying out <laughs> loud. I mean, it's yeah. so one of the one of the hor- I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you, please, Laura, but, please, please. Um, but but one of the yeah. one of the tragic things about Puritan culture is, is that you have you had the Salem witchcraft trials and you've right. had all these different weird things that uh, get written about it. And and you and uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne writing the Scarlet Letter, and then everyone thinks of that, those Puritans as just being, you know, dour and weird, and yeah, and but that's not really the truth of it, right? Right? These were these were joyous people mm. who sang a lot, and and they were, you know, it was just, yeah, it was good, yeah. And uh, and we need to, we we need to, not take the critique so seriously, because. They didn't want to have that kind of society. Right. Right. And and look at the, the fruit of it and the, the reality of it. And anyway, yeah. um, go ahead. You were going to say,
1: well, I was, I was just going to say, so, you know, let's say there are people tuning in, let's say they're new parents or something like that. Just what parting advice would you give as to, you know, they already have children growing them into Christian individuals who can think for themselves. Does that happen at the home? Does it happen at the school? Is it the church community's responsibility? Just what advice would you give those
0: parents? Find a way. Find a way. Right. So I'm I, I'm going to be um, fairly blunt in that it is um, your if you are doing your job right and you're sending your kids to public school, you're probably spending a bunch of time on um, doing what they've learned. Mm. And that's not good. Send them to send them to Providence. Send them to yeah. a good Christian school. A good Christian school. There's a lot of lousy Christian schools. Send them to a good one. Yeah. Um, Providence Academy. Homeschool them if you have to or if you can, right? Yeah. Um, but but do it in a way that's uh, that's good. And as you said, church. Right. If your church isn't preaching the word of God, if it's not teaching the word of God, if it's not if it's not discipling its people. And if it's not a place that you and your family can grow in. Yeah. um, That's probably not a good place to be. Find find the church. That's going to be teaching and preaching the word of God to you. Yeah. And if you're not growing. Probably the rest of your family isn't either. Yeah. Right. So, so church, church, school, family. That sounds like the four (laughs) to three strands, right? That's a circle moment. That's going to, yeah, that's going to. Wow, funny how it works that way. But anyway, you you want those things to work together. Right. Um, and and to uh, to bring your your children um into that paideia Yeah um that that you're you're growing together. Well, and you know, as, as we wrap up this episode, one
1: thing I'll say is I had the so obviously I grew up, you know, spending a lot of time with your kids, Mr. Young. And it's it's something where, you know, when I grew up, all of my friends came from Providence Academy. Or the church, but that's not the case for a lot of people. I mean, the, the cultural center of their community is a secular environment, right? You know, so it's just one of those things where I I can't imagine if, if you don't, if you're not a part of those kinds of communities, um, you know, you'll, your influence will just be bombarded with with
0: secular ideas. Yeah. So one of the things that's, that's interesting is, is that in in preparation with our children, with all our children, is not simply to keep them in a bubble. Yeah. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a war going on, yeah. whether you realize it or not, there's a spiritual warfare that's happening and uh, our, we want our children to be good warriors. Right. So they're going to be in the world. It's great to be in the world. It's what we're supposed to be. Um, but, but we're there to have an impact on them. <laughs> we're, we're there to ha- to change the, God, all authority has been given to Jesus.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And so we should not be afraid of the world. Yeah, we shouldn't, um, not, you know, just abandon it completely. Yeah. <clears throat> the the idea is, is that we need to evangelize the world and make them disciples. Yeah. Right. And so, so part of it is, um, so the, the, if your family is revolved around primarily everything in a secular world mm-hmm. and the church is just a retreat for you. Yeah. Um, and that's, just the way it is, then, then that's going to be very, very difficult. You need to really, really find ways in which you can make sure that your children really are, you, you and your children really are being discipled and that, um, that this secular world that you're part of, that, that is the majority of your life, is something that you're able to impact for Christ. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself feeling very comfortable in the world and uncomfortable at church <laughs> then something is wrong, Yeah. right? Um, what, what, um, what I would suggest is to make sure that you're, you're the army that you're a part of is yeah. the right one yeah. <laughs> and that you're, and that you're working against the, the, the powers of evil, right? It's, it's very easy to grow comfortable in a secular world, yeah. very easy. And if you are comfortable in the secular world, then I would say, watch out because two things are happening. One is you've probably been desensitized to the spirit of God. So you're not feeling guilty. You're not feeling the the pronging from the spirit. Um, And probably Satan kind of is leaving you alone because you're not uh, any threat to him. Wow. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, so, so where you want to be is, is to be in a, in a state of discomfort Right. Yeah. Um, Where where you have both the fact that um, the enemy sees you as dangerous. uh, And so you're being tested and tried um, and that um, that God is leading you. And so you're going to be tested and tried. (laughs) You're going to be in a place in which um, the the place to rest is on the times and places that Christ has given you to rest in him. Right. Not in the world, but in him. So that, that's my advice. So grow kids, grow kid. find a church that's going to uh, teach you his word. That's going to encourage that find a, a school or set up a, a situation for your kids so that they the, the paideia that they're growing up in is one that's aimed for the kingdom of God. And, and then um, yeah. And then have lots of kids.